Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Forgotten Conservative. It is 0245, uh, which for you in Rio Linda, or if you're a Boston Red Sox fan, that means 245 in the morning. Um, just kidding about the Red Sox fan. Lifelong rival, uh, but no. Uh, 2.45 in the morning, July 9th, which officially is a Saturday. Um, you know, I did the, the theme song. I guess is that's what it's called, theme song. Uh, I've been battling with this computer here for 30 minutes. So I don't know if I'll be able to edit the audio and include it. Um, but if you don't hear the song, that's why. There, this dinosaur of a, a computer here, it just, it, like I said, it took over 30 minutes. We had power outages, and it took over 30 minutes for me to boot this computer up and get to this point right now where I am finally speaking. And anybody that's listened to this podcast very long knows that two, three weeks ago, I had recorded, uh, I know at least two hours, possibly, I think it was two hours. I had recorded and went back to put titles on them, uh, fill in some uh, description and discovered that there was no recordings, two hours into thin air. Uh, poof, never went to the hard drive. So, there was nothing to try and save or recover. So hopefully, uh, this little thingamajig that goes up and down with my voice is moving. So I'm assuming that this is recording now and being written to the hard drive so we can go from there. Um, nevertheless, I hope everybody had a safe and uh, wonderful Independence Day celebration weekend. Uh, it's one of those holidays that falls on the weekends. Um, so, you know, whether it's a Saturday or Sunday or Monday, you know, we always get a three-day weekend, but it's also nice when the actual fourth does fall on a weekend, uh, even if it is a Monday and you have to go back into work on Tuesdays. Uh, last week, we did a couple hours on the Declaration of Independence, what led up to it, uh, some of the meaning, mainly in the first section, uh, preamble, and then a little further down into it. We didn't really get into the Bill of Particulars, although I mentioned them. Um, but a couple of things I wanted to add. Uh, a name of the pamphleteers, one of the pamphleteers, that started in 63 kept escaping me. It came back to me right before the second hour. And then as soon as I start to bring it up, bam, it, you know, I got the last name, Payne, Thomas Payne. Uh, he's the one that one of his pamphlets sold over 100,000 copies uh, during that time. Another thing, uh, I know I mentioned the battle at Breed's Hill within Bunker Hill. 
I'm not sure if I got the guy's name right. Joseph Warren, prominent physician of the time, uh, public enemy number one, so to speak. And I hopefully covered uh, that at least in detail enough to for you guys to understand who he was, how prominent he was, and what he sacrificed, what he gave up. Um, another thing that I heard I didn't get to, I didn't necessarily place a high importance on it, but throughout the weekend and, and then on Tuesday, I mean, it pretty much died down after Tuesday, I keep hearing or kept, and it's every year, about 4th of July being the birthday and, you know, and I, I kind of think to myself, maybe I judge too harshly about these pundits, so on and so forth, that espouse CRT and founded by racists, uh, white supremacists, slave owners, and, and all that. Th that just harmful, harmful rhetoric, uh, language, that's really meant to sow division and undermine, uh, undermine the founding principles because it doesn't matter who the individuals were. The principles were solid, which is something they refuse to differentiate. But you'll hear, or I heard over the three or four days, some commentators, news, well, I shouldn't say news, uh, top of the hour news on the radio. How about that? Uh, here and there mentioned that July 2nd was the date that they voted. And, you know, in whatever iteration, uh, they brought it up and, and briefly covered it. They at least acknowledged that July 2nd should have been the day, was, was thought of to be the day. Uh, then I hear a whole bunch say, well, it may have been voted on July 2nd, but it was uh, signed on July 4th. All over the place, left and right. And it pisses me off. It pisses me off because that's not accurate. It's not true history. Again, I would apply the same, um, I don't necessarily want to say labels, but test so to speak, to those commentators, news anchors, personnel, etc. I can't look at you any differently than I look at the CNN, MSNBCs, all those bad guys that, that say we were founded on slavery, etc. What have I always said? They're either ignorant of our history. In other words, they don't know what the truth is. Or B, they know what the truth is and they purposely lie, distort the truth, uh, fabricate, so on and so forth. But it's a conscious decision because they actually do know the history, but they're trying to sow division and discord, uh, hate, violence, etc., depending on who it is espousing these ideas, again, while knowing 
that it's false. So I have to look at the Republican, quote unquote, conservative commentators that get it wrong also. They met in Philadelphia, uh, Independence Hall, I think it actually called. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but they voted on it July 2nd. They voted for the declaration or, or to declare their independence. Between July 2nd and July 4th, they went over the document with a fine-tooth comb. Jefferson, who I mentioned, was like just so this gentleman got his feelings hurt. Uh, and that may not be, that may be too strong of a way to put it, but he was, he just had this air. Uh, and he poured over that document, the writing, the, as I mentioned, um, I think it was the second hour, his summary view of the rights of British America. He wrote things like that and obviously was a brilliant mind, a brilliant thinker, and was able to put it into words. So here he is in the back of the hall, pissed off, fuming that his document is uh, being looked over, uh, parsed, semantics, fine-tooth comb, things of that nature. It really pissed Jefferson off. The biggest thing, his biggest butt hurt, was that in the original draft, he talked about uh, the condemnation of slavery within the states and also the condemnation of the international slave trade and how the king had refused to honor the individual colonies that had voted in whatever form, whether they voted to heavily tax it, in other words, make it too expensive to buy and sell slaves, to abolish it within their state, not um, make it where existing slaves were freed or any, but just to say that this is, this is where we draw the line. No more slaves coming in to, let's say, Virginia. And then also to abolish or, or criminalize the international slave trade. And the king, every step of the way, said no, no, no. That was in the original draft in those bill or in that bill of particulars. And they pulled it out. I'm not sure if I mentioned that last week. Uh, nevertheless, so they come up with the final document, July 4th, voted on the second, final document draft, uh, figured out on the fourth. Well, what's next? What happened? They sent it off to a pretty prominent figure at the time, uh, I know he was part of the Second Continental Congress, uh, a fellow after my own dear heart. He was a brewer and a bottler. Um, so, you know, you got to kind of tip your hat there. 
But he was also known famously for his penmanship. Uh, Timothy Mac, Mac, Matlack, I believe was his name. Timothy Matlack. Uh, so they sent the document to be, I think they called it engraved. I think that's the terminology back then. But to be written on the parchment paper that we so commonly associate it with today. In fact, you know, I'm sure it's not actual parchment paper, but it has the appearance of parchment paper, which is hanging in this room. And I've mentioned the declaration, the final draft with signatures declaration of independence on my wall. I've also got the constitution and the bill of rights, uh, in another room, but it's all on that type of parchment paper. So they sent it to Timothy Mackey. He did not return the finished copy, original, until August the 2nd. So when you hear it was voted on the 2nd of July, uh, signed on the 4th, that's horse pucky. And again, that person either doesn't know the facts or he knows the facts and is purposely misleading. I would like to think that it's the former as opposed to the latter and that it's malicious uh, because we just look at it July 4th as our birthday. So um, I have to use the same judgment, so to speak, as I do for the race baiters, use the same standard. Okay. Although I don't think the intent and the maliciousness is there. I think they're, they're just shooting off what they don't know. And, and so, but e either way, you should know something like that, that it did not get signed until August the 2nd and only 50 of the 56 people, you know, the signatures that we know today on August 2nd, only 50 of those men signed it. Um, when the other six signed, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't look into it because that part doesn't grieve me. What grieves me is the fact that people I heard over and over and over all weekend, it was signed on the 4th and it just irritates the living, you know what, out of me. That stuff that Bess Truman um, told Harry for 30 years was could be used as fertilizer and he kept refusing and then figured out that Bess Truman knew what the hell she was talking about and started using it. So that's what I think about it. Um, I really didn't come into this with a set agenda. Um, what the thoughts, the things that I had kind of kicked around in my noggin, uh, you know, this computer dealing with this for over a half hour, it's really frustrating. A lot of times, it's it, it it's like a more than a speed bump. It's like those damn nails 
that the cops throw when when somebody's trying to elude the police just stops you you know um this is my day off and to come in here and and fight with this friggin thing is just uh as walter Matthau said a pain in my took us um couple things I do want to get to. January 6th committee. Um, you know, I don't... I, I just catch peripheral bits of information. It's a witch hunt. Obviously, they want to prevent Donald Trump from ever running or winning again. Any type, pretty much political office. Uh, I think they've heard rumors that if the Republicans win the House in November, uh, Trump could be the speaker. I don't think it'll ever happen. Uh, I think Kevin McCarthy uh, is going to be the new in this. If 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 that if the Republican Republicans win, he'll be the new House Majority Leader. Or actually, I don't even know if that's accurate. He'll be the speaker of the house that i know is accurate that's a position he feels like he has earned uh whether or not i don't think there will be any real serious challenges to mccarthy but he's talked a big game over the last several years uh since 2018 um if the republicans take the house especially if they end up with 20 to 30 vote majority, then uh, we'll see. Because I think the Republicans in the House need to go not only after the January 6th committee, uh, phone calls, texts, emails, uh, conversations, depositions, etc. I think they should go after Pelosi. Now, I'm not sitting here saying lock her up, but Nancy Pelosi is as responsible, if Trump is responsible, which I don't think Bernie Sanders is responsible for the guy shooting up the baseball field a couple years ago, three, four years ago. Uh, so I don't hold the politician accountable. I think... They need to be more responsible, like Chuck Schumer threatening, in essence, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. And then this kook comes across the country and tries to assassinate Kavanaugh. Which, to this day, as far as I know, there has been no retraction by Chuck Schumer. No statement addressing the incident specifically that I know of. Okay. Biden, same thing. Uh, fun fact, uh, the Maryland and Virginia governors are having to use local resources to quiet the streets, uh, allow traffic to flow. You know, they're having to expend basically cops on the ground to uh, keep these people at bay. Now, there's marshals 
there for safety and security. But these people are still in the streets, which violates federal law, which is a felony. Okay? It is a felony. Federal statute. So the two governors, Maryland and Virginia, write to the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, who's as, at least in my lifetime, and it, let me take that back a little bit. I'm not sure about Carter's Attorney General. I can't, I can't attest to that. So, in my lifetime, of all the other attorneys general that, that I've known or been aware of, Merrick Garland is by far, which includes Eric Holder, which on record claimed to be, uh, you know, Mussolini Obama's wingman, wingman, quote unquote. Merrick Garland is, I believe, a nasty individual. Uh, quasi borderline evil and I say that with well actually with lack of respect because of some of the things he's done supported actions he's taken or not taken uh, I don't think that can boil simply down to ideology one man's opinion but to an extent, with all those progressive Marxist uh, liberal wackos, when you, as we did last week, kind of just touched the surface of philosophy, uh, true progressivism uh, puts science basically first, so to speak. Marxism... Um, it's not necessarily science, but it talks about uh, getting rid of religion, getting rid of faith, removing those pillars that people look to uh, in times of darkness, peril, uh, war, etc. You know, if, if you're on an airplane, you hit turbulence. What do you say? You, what do you do? You ain't prayed in a month of Sundays. You hit a little bit of friggin' turbulence. You know, dear Lord, get me through this one. I'll get through the next one on my own. But you're talking to the Lord. As well as your sphincter. You can't get a greased needle in that son of a gun. But, but these types of ideology removes that faith. As Christians, we know that God's there. I think, I know for me personally, took it for granted, still to an extent. Um, but we take it for granted. It's there, it's like a life preserver at, at the, the community pool. You don't need it or insurance. You don't need it every day. But if you do need it, you want to make sure it's there. 
those ideologies tried to remove that from a majority, from as many of the people as possible. That's a stated goal, philosophy. Um, so when I say or touch on Merrick Gar Garland possibly having a hint of evil, I think anybody that votes or believes that a woman can have an abortion uh, after the child is potty trained, for Christ's sake. Excuse me. Lord, forgive me. You know, um, the head's coming out of the birth canal. Oh, I changed my mind. I don't want it. Anybody that could vote for that or believes in that, um, maybe I can't definitively say you're evil, but you are without, I don't know if soul is the right word. Compassion, obviously, is murder. But you're lacking some part of you. Something that God put into everybody that's, you have this good part, this conscious part, okay, that really everybody is born with. And you vote just like the Democrats did a month ago to have abortion up until the kids friggin' bar mitzvah. I mean, come on. You, you, something's missing. Nevertheless, getting back to Merrick Garland and the Supreme Court justices, um, the two governors, Virginia and Maryland, wrote to him and said, hey man, uh, we need some help. These guys, these rioters, peacefully protesters are violating federal statutes. We're having to expend uh, local resources. We don't have the resources. We're doing it because we don't have a choice. But this is a federal issue, a federal statute that these guys are violating. This Suchi Akatsa, Merrick Garland, declined. He wrote him back and said he has no interest in enforcing that law. That law that prohibits uh, protesters, demonstrators, whatever you want to call them from doing exactly what they're doing to, I think it covers all federal ju uh, judges, but I certainly definitively know it covers the Supreme Court justices. And it's a backdoor, indirect way to say, hey, if you're gonna vote this way, you're gonna suffer the consequences. Trump, uh, let's see, what what is was the claim? 187 minutes or some stupid horseshit that 
Trump didn't call off the dogs January 6th for whatever the number is. You've had an assassination attempt on Brett Kavanaugh, who's already a little squishy and suspect. That's all we need, you know, is to intimidate him. Nevertheless, beside the point, this has been going on for months. There's not been one Democrat leader call the dogs off. No Democrat leader has went down there, got his bullhorn like Schumer did a couple of years ago and said, cease and desist. Go back to your lives. Remember when they uh, upheld o Obergefell or whatever it is uh, for gay marriage? And they didn't like it. They raised hell, stomped their feet, you know, called names or whatever, whatever went on. But within a day or two, they accepted it. And you even had senators like Lindsey Gramnesty saying, well, it's the law of the land now. We got to live with it. And there was other Republicans that I... I don't recall right off the top of my head, but within a couple of days, you had these uh, Republicans who wanted TV time. Let make no mistake, it wasn't conservatives. It was the rhinos, the people that uh, want their, mm, let's say, a clean way, their egos stroked. So. Every time you turn a friggin' camera on, they're in front of it, saying, I disagree with it, but it's now the law of the land. Let's move on. Meanwhile, they got their five minutes back into the spotlight. But look at the contrast. And there's not a single Democrat that's doing the same. That's saying, this is now the law of the land. Move on. Fight them. It goes to the states. It's not illegal. Okay? They didn't touch any other uh, quote-unquote privacy, gay marriage, uh, you know, what happens in the bedroom. They didn't touch any of that. Clarence Thomas said we should because it's, what is, what's the legal term? Uh, shit discretionary uh, crap. Anyway, Thomas said any case that was decided on that basis should be revisited. Alito in his uh, his uh, writing said none of that will be touched. And I want to say Kavanaugh reiterated it, reiterated it. Did I say that right? Two attempts. I'm not, I'm not taking a third hack. But uh, nevertheless, the point is, it only boiled down to abortion. It's not illegal. It's down back to the states, to the state legislatures, ultimately trickling down to the people, the voters. 
which is where it, things of that nature were intended to be decided. That's how we were built, structured as a country. Is that it, basically anything that's not covered directly in the Constitution falls back on the states, which is kind of what the 10th Amendment is, federalism. Those powers reside, belong at the state level. So you see the contrast. And you've got this January 6th committee just trying to, to ruin Trump, preventing him from running again. Uh, they've interviewed his family. And by the way, there's another, uh, I don't know, it might be a deposition that Trump and his kids uh, have agreed to participate in. I, I don't recall if it's taxes off the top of my head, but there's something separate. And there may be another one that I'm not thinking of or unaware of because of my withdrawal from mainstream media. Uh, this is not going to end. Not only are they going after Trump personally, they're going to go after anybody that pledged loyalty. The people who did pledge loyalty during his administration are jumping off like rats off a sinking ship. Okay. Which it's always happened to an extent, uh, but it happens way more frequently than Republicans. The latest is this Mike Mulvaney, former chief of staff. Uh, think of the trust and confidence that any executive, much less the, the leader of the free world, the president of the United States, trust and that that type of executive puts into a chief of staff. And for whatever reason, this guy just writes a book. Now, all of a sudden, he's an expert. All these people that, for years, like Bill Barr, impeaching, impeaching, impeaching. All of a sudden, he's a media darling. Mick Mulvaney, or Mike, whatever his friggin' name is, was as big of a bad guy as Trump was. Oftentimes considered the brains behind the scene because we all know that it was either one or two things with Trump. He's either uh, knows what he's doing and is uh, a brilliant bad guy, if that makes sense, knew exactly what he was doing and violating the Constitution and, and yada, yada, yada. Or he was a dumbass hick, you know, uh, developer that didn't know jack crap about politics, geopolitics, etc. And they switched back and forth with those, between those narratives. 
But you got these guys just ratting, writing books, volunteering to, to be anywhere there's a camera. Because part of this motivation from this committee is not only Trump, but to say to up and coming Republicans, future generations, people in uh, school, <coughs> excuse me, college, uh, etc. If you go against the tide, if you go against the swamp, if you try to get in our way and reduce us in size, uh, make common sense decisions, the whole nine yards. If you engage in this behavior, we're coming after you. We're going to make you pay. We may not be able to criminalize it, but we'll damn sure ruin your reputation. Oh, excuse me, I had to get a sip of water, which I've mentioned before, I hate. I hate the taste of water. Um, speaking of the reputation, I think, now most people, when you hear this name, Ray Donovan, you think of, what was his name, Liv Schreiber? Okay. Um, I've seen him in a uh, Tom Clancy movie one time. Some of all fears that, uh, you know, here, do you want to talk about something that burns my ass outside of about a three foot flame? Okay. They had to rewrite a bunch of that movie, the screenplay, because in the book, the bad guys were radical Islamic Muslims. And so guess what they changed the bad guys to? Neo-Nazi white supremacists. Imagine that. We don't want to offend the Muslims, but we're going to perpetuate this uh, idea that there's a cabal equal to or greater than radical Islamic terrorism of whites that you know want to do all the, the bad deeds. Uh, certainly that the militant radical Islamists want to do and have professed to do and have professed not to stop until they accomplish. Yeah, so anyway, Liv Shriver was in that movie. So he played in a series on one of the cable shows, Ray Donovan. I'm pretty sure Ray Donovan is the guy that was in the Reagan administration that they just, they were relentless, overpounding the guy, just uh, besmirching his character. Same way they did Edwin Meese, the Attorney General. Same way they did Ollie North, Robert Bork, you name it. In during Reagan's years, but I think it was Ray Donovan was the one that coined the phrase. After he's, I guess, exonerated or. Uh, it's basically, you know, it's like Lincoln said in the debates, I can't prove a, or disprove a negative. So if something never happened, I can't prove it didn't happen. And obviously, if something didn't happen, I can't prove that it did. 
you cannot prove or disprove a negative. Now, Lincoln said that during the Lincoln-Douglas debates in 58. The first I know of it being used, uh, at least to my knowledge. Nevertheless, Ray Donovan goes through this turmoil and they attack him six ways to Sunday and there's no, no, no damage, no crime, no nothing. And he says, where do I go to get my reputation back? Think about that. You have been front page news, plastered all over the TV. Reporters, you know, these assholes at these Supreme Court justices. I mean, you, you have nowhere to turn, no, no, nowhere to breathe, to catch your breath, to, to kick back and say, okay, let's put this into perspective. It's relentless, 24 hours a day, as long as they want to attack you. That's why Rush uh, came up with the phrase drive-by media, which obviously comes from a drive-by shooting. You drive by, you pull the trigger, do all your damage, keep going, and you're long gone while the rest of the people have to deal with your actions, your gunshots, etc. Drive-by shooting. And the media has been this way at least throughout my lifetime. They get a story, they think they got something, and they, they're like bulldogs or piranha. Just, Arr. and then when the story dissipates or the story doesn't further their agenda uh reinforce their narrative they pack them cameras them news vans and they hit the county line lickety split meanwhile that individual or his family his or her family are left to pick up the piece, pieces. And again, I believe the guy's name was Ray Donovan during the Reagan administration, simply said, where do I go to get my reputation back? Hillary and the Dems made a big to-do during Clinton's, well, probably, I think it may have even come up in the campaign, um, 92, but certainly once he was elected, this popular phrase, um, politics of personal destruction. Uh, the other one, which just is laughable as well, uh, vast right-wing conspiracy. You know, that's like, you know, your girlfriend or your spouse or whatever coming home and you, you're sitting there with a the babysitter, the next door neighbor, whatever. You get the point. And you say it's not what it looks like. What do you mean? Do you, you know, go to get a, a glass of milk for the for our son and you trip and you're, you, you know, did the deed? I mean, what do you mean? But it was a vast right-wing conspiracy. Anyway, I digress. I get... Uh, just all this stuff over the years.
you know, at times just comes back to me. Um, but the politics of personal destruction. Now, I've asked before, which Republican candidate for president was, in essence, judged by, I think, around 12 or 1,400 psychiatrists, psychologists, um, completed surveys as to his mental state, his mental stability, uh, um, anger, you know, just this survey that, that a magazine mailed out to 12 or 1400 uh, psychologists and psychiatrists all around the country to give their assessment. And then they publish the results and say, oh, this dude, you know, he's unhinged. He's a cowboy. He'll send us to war. He'll, he'll detonate, uh, you know, he'll, he'll hit um, Russia with a nuclear weapon. Um, you know, he can't be trusted. He can't be trusted to willy-nilly send our kids off into needless, endless wars. For those of you that's never heard this story, take a guess who that presidential candidate was that was psychoanalyzed by alleged physicians that had never sat down and interviewed or, or had a conversation or asked questions, history, anything. They just simply went by what they saw on the news, read in the newspaper, etc. Guess who that candidate was? No, it wasn't Donald Trump. Barry Goldwater. The 1964 Republican nominee for president of the United States. He ran against uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson. He lost in a landslide. Obviously, history, you know, we know LBJ won. Uh, Goldwater sued the magazine and won. I think he won like a million bucks. Um, 1965, I think the lawsuit was settled, maybe 66. Um, so a million bucks back then was something. Whether the magazine uh, paid any or all of it, I don't know. I know eventually it ran them out of business. It ran them bankrupt. So I don't know that uh, Goldwater received any money. Um, but that stuff, the average person has no idea about. They have no, no sense of history that every Republican candidate for presidency is some kind of cowboy, some kind of radical, some kind of far right wing, you know, wants to uh, kill old people by cutting Social Security benefits and or, you know, money, uh, Medicare, whatever. Every time whether it's midterms or presidential races. It's the same horse pucky recycled, at least that I know of, since 64. And the media is right there to 
further the narrative, or I say further, to beat that message in to the constituency. You know, to at least, you know, if, if, if the drive-by or mainstream media just simply um, acted like they were giving you the news and simply repeated the platitudes, the rhetoric, uh, the lies, if all they did was actually try to report that as legitimate news, it wouldn't be so bad. But that's not what the media does. They, they don't stop there. They go full steam ahead trying to beat those messages into as many people that will listen and believe simply because they heard so-and-so say it or they read it in so-and-so uh, magazine, newspaper, etc. And for some reason, I guarantee you, if, if you went up, just take a random person that believes that horse shit, okay? Excuse my language. Just some random whatever that believes this crap espoused. Let's just pick CNN. But you can substitute any of them. And go up and say, hey, do you really believe this? You're sitting there, let's say in the airport, having a drink. Do you really believe this shit they're talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And depending on their awareness, they may be able to recite some things they heard. They may, may not really pay a whole lot of attention. Just know that orange man bad, uh, Republicans are racist, bigoted, homophobes, uh, you know, etc. And Dems are compassionate feeling for the, the little guy like Lunchbox Joe or Lunch Bucket Joe, that embarrassment at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. But they pound it over and over. And, I, and trust me, I've had these conversations Many, many of these conversations. But you can't have a conversation like that without knowledge, without facts. And just as I've told you, gentle listener, that I would never knowingly state a falsehood or mislead you. Number one, I, I, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. I mean... First and foremost, it's not worth me trying to build up credibility and then tell even a white lie and have all this credibility that I've tried to, to build be brought down by something that I knowingly said was false. So it's not worth it. It's not, you know, and besides, if I can't, articulately, uh, cogently express my ideals, my principles, how I view events, philosophies, attitudes, etc. 
I should be able to recite that. You know, I'm not Obama. I don't, or, or uh, you know, Grandpa Jones, whatever, you know. Uh, I don't have to uh, use a teleprompter. I can have a debate, an intelligent, rational debate, as long as it lasts, you know, it, because with the other side, as soon as you give them facts, um, concrete principles, um, things of that nature, they tuck their tail between their legs, get offended, get butt hurt, and usually start calling you names or calling, uh, you know, like Trump names or whoever, whoever the discussion revolves around. Because their ideology is primarily based on feelings, emotions, rather than logic and reason. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to bring this up, but a thought led to it. James Kahn, who was uh, Sonny Corleone in the original Godfather, just passed away. I think it was yesterday. Um, and I've talked about the Godfather before, briefly. I don't think I've went a whole lot into it. But what made me want to bring it up tonight at this point was, uh, you know, here... Don Corleone, arguably head of the largest, most powerful crime family in the country at the time, which it was. I should say arguably. At that time, it was. Uh, and then, of course, Sonny's killed, and they um, have the heads of the five families, as it's known, along with uh, smaller factions from all over the country come together for this meeting to call the peace. and But Corleone's philosophy and handling business of that nature was as long as a man is reasonable, has the ability to reason, then he can talk, he can negotiate, you know, with anybody. It's so true discussing politics, especially abortion, which is one of the reasons I stayed away from it for many years, because it was such a hot button emotional, uh, you know, subject for the other side. Nevertheless, if you can have any type of discussion, disagreement, and, and use reason and logic, whether at the end of the day you just agree to disagree. God forbid you have an open mind and allow an idea to permeate to possibly change your outlook. Which is, by the way, went on constantly during the debate between July 2nd and July 4th for the declaration and then during the summer of 1787, 11 years later, when they were getting together to form the government and, and the Constitution. A lot of reasoned 
debate, open-mindedness, minds changed. I mean, I've talked about it here. Another one of the things on my wall is uh, George Mason and James Madison, who originally uh, wrote the 12 amendments to the Constitution. Well, we all know that the Bill of Rights was only 10. So they debated in, you know, discussing those, that particular uh, document, so to speak, was debated and whittled, whittled out unnecessary language, refined language, combined uh, amendments to where, you know, like First Amendment, uh, freedom of the press, freedom of religion. The government basically can't make a state religion uh, the free exercise thereof, the right to peacefully assemble. So in other words, there was there's many things inside some of these amendments. Okay. But they didn't get there by being hard-headed, by being uh, staunch. And staunch is not the right word. Hard-headed, um, unwavering inability to listen and understand another's point of view slash argument. Doesn't mean you have to agree. If it's a complex issue, there may be bits and pieces that you could understand, believe in, or accept. Other pieces of this complex situation are non-starters. And between the two, maybe there's common ground there somewhere. But you can't accomplish those monumental uh, debates and agreements if you're using emotion and um, feelings in the arena of intelligent debate and ideas. Because the two are it's like two magnets that are the same polarization. You know, bam. Separated. Like me and both my ex-wives. Bam. Gone. That's a joke. I'm kidding. But you get the point. Anyway, we are fairly close to being out of time. Um... I'm going to at least try to come back with another hour. Uh, maybe try to go over some other items. Uh, maybe try to get more focused on January 6th. Uh, instead of wandering down the rabbit hole. And by the way, make sure you like, subscribe, whatever, so you get this content when I publish it. And also give me feedback. If I, if I bring up a subject and then get sidetracked and you really want to know about that subject, uh, contact me. All right. Once again, thank you for listening and playing along. And we will see you next time on The Forgotten Conservative.